Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Sean's Wildlife Podcast. I am very happy to uh, be chatting to someone tonight that I've known for quite a while on social media and watched his work. He is a zoologist and a wildlife presenter, and he's got a great style and charm about his presenting. Um, It is Billy Heaney. Billy, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you very much for having me on, buddy. It's lovely to be chatting. Um, And yeah, how's your day been? Um, it's been all right, working hard. We're in the middle of uh, lockdown. I don't know when this podcast episode is going to go out, um, but we're still in lockdown. And uh, I don't know about you, but I am busier than ever. I've got loads of things on and uh, trying to keep keep the brain active and um, cope with being stuck indoors more than I would like. <laughs> i tell you about it. Yeah, no, it's similar at my end, to be honest. I'm quite lucky that I'm keeping busy with a few voluntary projects and sort of making the most of the world off my doorstep. But yeah, I'm busier than ever, which is kind of crazy when you think about what's going on at the minute. But it's good. It's keeping me keeping me busy and I'm enjoying the wildlife that's on my path. So Yeah, and you've got you've uh, you're enduring lockdown in a pretty cool patch, I hear. Yes. Well my sort of plans for sort of this spring and sort of the start of this year didn't really go to plan. But, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. And I've ended up quite luckily, I've been stuck in a place where I'm in the middle of nowhere and uh, very lucky to be surrounded by a whole manner of wildlife um, in deep as dark as Gloucestershire. And yeah, no, it's been, it's been keeping me very busy. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty jealous. We'll get on to what type of wildlife and what you've been up to in a little bit. But um, <laughs> first of all, Billy, where, um, like, how long have you been interested in wildlife or where did that kind of interest come from? Is it from a young age? Yeah, since a toddler, to be honest. I think I was a bit of a fidgety, noisy toddler. Um, shock. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, it was, this is a gospel true story, but my mum sat me in front of Free Willy when I was about two or three years old. And I think it was the first time I sat still for an hour and a half. Um, so and she, then it, she discovered it, the secret. Discovered the secret. Give him a killer whale, and and that's the way forward. So after that, I kind of had this, you know, marine mammals were my first love, particularly whales and dolphins, and they still are. Um, yeah. But that was kind of the catalyst of, and, and the gateway, uh, so to speak. Of yeah, got obsessed with big marine things that growing up on the Hearts Essex border on the landlocked sides, you can't, you don't actually have access to. Um, I was going to ask, did you grow up on the coast? No. <laughs> No, so I didn't grow up on the coast. I grew up in a very landlocked part of Hearts and Essex, um, just north of London, really. Yeah. Uh, but I was very lucky that my grandparents were very much into their bird watching and just walking in general. So that's kind of where the hands-on approach came um, from a very young age, from about maybe five or six. My my nan, bless her, bought me her, um, gave me my first bird book, you know, a little pair of binoculars, and that's kind yeah. of where the sort of passion in for UK wildlife began and then obviously documentaries and you know finding spiders and snails in your garden as a kid and then it kind of just got I just kind of got a little bit carried away with it (laughs) yeah I think pretty similar my mum tells a story of like almost having a heart attack when I was two or three lifting up like a giant stone in the garden like bigger than me she's like how the hell number one is he that strong and number two what the hell is he gonna do and like, that stone falls and I'm but yeah I was looking for you know woodlice and centipedes and yeah creepy crawlies underneath from yeah. a very very young age yeah um, and your career path um you studied zoology is that right yes I studied zoology um at the University of Exeter down on the Cornwall campus in Falmouth which I mean, I've only just moved away from Cornwall, actually. I started my BSc in 2012 and, yes, finished that in 2015. And then I stayed on to do a part-time master's by research, um, which I finished. And then I stayed down there for quite a few years, doing the odd freelance bit of work and just doing the odd bits of bobs. I mean, Cornwall got her claws into me and it was very hard for me to go. But we ended up moving. I moved out in February and then it's kind of... uh, landed me in a different place but yes I studied zoology down in Cornwall and just had the most amazing couple of years down there to be honest. it's amazing down there isn't it I'm putting my um you know west country migration on hold until <laughs> I'm nearing retirement <laughs> yeah because I won't come back if I go down there I think no I think I was down a few just shy of eight years and I felt that it was a privilege to live down there and I mean I'm missing it very much right now 
uh, it's, it's a weird thing to say, but I've not seen the sea in the longest, I think, ever for the last eight years, if you know what I mean. And it's obviously yeah, yeah. a very privileged thing to be able to see the sea like that if you, obviously, if you come from a landlocked area. But it's amazing just like if you feel a bit fed up with, the, with your day or whatever, just a quick walk down to the beach and just stare at the horizon. I mean, it was just, yeah, it's such a lovely thing to be able to do. So definitely missing definitely. that right now. It gave you your uh, your coastal fix for eight years. <laughs> Absolutely, it was a massive beach bum. Flip. I mean, I still am. I, I dress like a beach bum, but I'm now in the mid- <laughs> middle of the countryside, so I look a bit <laughs> a bit for weird. People are looking at you a bit odd. Yeah, why is he wearing flip flops? It's it's always this surfer <laughs> blowing. <laughs> well, yes, yeah. I've just I've just lost my tan because I'm not on the beach all the time. Oh no, a pasty surfer blowing. Then. <laughs> yeah. So you did your masters, Billy, on uh, seals. Am I right? Yes, absolutely spot on. So my master's uh, was kind of an extension of my third year dissertation project. Um, yeah. So just be, obviously, yeah, as everyone does a dissertation, will know that sort of had a few projects that I could kind of choose from um, when I found the supervisor that I wanted to work on. And he had a few really cool marine based projects. And as a big marine geek, I was keen to do something on marine mammals um, and pre- preferably cetaceans if I could. But then this project came up with grey seals in Cornwall. And the reason I chose it was there was a cetacean-based project, but it was all desk-based and it was all quite nitty-gritty software, whereas the one with the seals actually had a field component. So I was like, right, well, this is going to be good fun because at least I get to get, get to see a living animal through, through this project. Yeah. And so I decided to take the, the, the seal project on, and I'm really glad that I did. And we were using camera traps to monitor a the largest haul-out colony in Cornwall. So it was on the north coast of Cornwall. And what we had, what we did is we... Of grey seals, was it? Of grey seals, yes. Yeah. And um, the nice Halicorus gripus, the, the good old hook-nosed sea pig. Oh! <laughs> yeah, we got to throw some lion in there. There we go. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. That's and, pretty serious stuff when you start drawing around Latin names. Ah, uh, well, you know, the amount, once you've written that into your <laughs> thesis <laughs> about, three, <laughs> about 300 times, it gets ingrained into your brain. <laughs> anyway but back to your uh your seals yeah, and your yeah, trail so, camps is this so, where yeah. your is this where your trail camp fetish came from yes a little bit my uh my gateway drug into camera traffic yes and that's kind of <laughs> where it all kind of came from uh i sort yeah. of had used uh used one when i was like 18 sort of local boxes and badges but then i was using them regularly for film work and so what we did is we programmed the camera to take a picture uh, every five minutes of every hour of every day during daylight hours and so we accumulated like a monster data set. Uh, obviously, the cameras did fail every now and then, you know, severe storms on a cliff. I mean, it's a bit yeah. different than setting it up in the wood where it's got a bit of, you know, woodland to protect it, but completely exposed. And through the storms in the winter, particularly, we lost a lot of data. Quite a risky retrieval, I'd imagine, no? Yeah, it was a little bit precarious. I kind of only went down every three to four weeks down this cliff. Um, so it was in collaboration with the National Trust. Uh, the yeah. group. And so that was two two organizations that over the years I've worked with on a number of occasions and I ended up working for the National Trust um, whilst I lived in Cornwall, whilst I was, you know, funding myself through my master's project. So then, um, yeah, so with the undergrads, we sort of did a, a nice sort of baby study, so to speak, using this method. And then it kind of came about that I came up with another question, another idea. And then my supervisor said, well, that's more of a master's project. I was like, well, why don't we do it? Um, and then, uh, yeah, it was whilst I was on my third year field trip, which is amazing. We, we I did the marine trip and we got the opportunity to go to the Bahamas. We did some diving. Um, oh, but it was, so it was after a dive where I'd actually like cornered my supervisor into a classroom when no one was looking. It was a bit weird, admittedly. But I was like, what do you reckon? I've got ideas. I'd, I'd come up with more concepts. He said, let me know. Have a think over Christmas. This will be January. And then he was like, right on. It sounds like a plan. We'll do the paperwork when we uh, get back from the field trip, you know, the end of January. And then we sort of put it in motion. And then I spent another, yeah, after I graduated my undergrad, I spent another two years and three months because I did it part-time. And I had a little gap for three months whilst I got to work on another SEAL project, which was really cool i'll come back to that in a minute and yeah and we used all these cameras to monitor sort of seasonal abundances which we matched the human observations to sort of show how useful a method camera traps can be in surveying like pinniped rookeries because you know you get the benefit that you save a lot of effort on people time and the benefit is if you're doing human observations through binoculars and you don't have cameras then there's human error which is fair enough but what's quite handy with having uh, photo data is you can go back and review it at 
whenever you want. And obviously the flip side is you can accumulate a lot, a lot of pictures. So then the human time was then sort of made up for post sort of exit you. But yeah, then- so you're sitting in front of a screen analysing your camera trap pictures for days on end. Yeah, More like months. <laughs> yeah. Could you identify the individual seals? Was that part of it as well? Um, it wasn't that good, unfortunately, just because they were quite far away. I mean, at a distance, yeah. At a distance. You could pick out a big bull seal, but, you know, other than that, it's kind of females and juvies and young males all look the same kind of thing. But yeah, every now and yeah. then you could pick out a big bruiser of a male. But um, but what was great is sometimes there would be like, uh, my biggest count was just shy of 300 seals on a beach, which I, and I use like this cell count when they look like very slugs. Uh, and lose count so we used some software to help me sort of uh, click and count them all up and then we did a little bit of stuff to look at human disturbance at the site which the national trust helped me with we put some like footfall counters in a fence post which is what shopkeepers do and we use very basic quite yeah very 90s technology with these like memory cubes that were like something out of back to the future yeah, <laughs> um, but it works but it works um, so that was quite cool and then um, yeah the best part of that project was when I got to help uh, it was on and off for about three months one autumn uh, it would have been mm-hmm. 2016 so a little while ago but we got to the project doing um, pup surveys around the coast of cornwall and on the isles of Scilly. so i got so we did some amazing kayaking off the boat and got to do some pup surveys and uh, we had five days on the isles of Scilly, and we got permission to go on all the uninhabited little islands yeah um and we had to swim in it was november but we had oh, to wow. swim but luckily, it, I mean, it was fresh, but one of the days it was just a balmy, beautiful, sunny day. And, you know, you didn't mind being in the water at all. Yeah, the other day was a bit more November-like and it was a little bit more hard work. But um, big, thick five mil and uh, crack on. But it was amazing. There was one bit where we were sort of doing a bit of rock hopping to get across from one side of the beach to another. We had to go across this big patch of boulders. And all of a sudden, the boulder between my legs rolled over and growled at me, and it was it was a seal. Oh pup. God! So it was really cool, but um, but that was a really that was the highlight of my sort of master's master's research. But it wasn't technically. It sounds like a pretty good master's that you weren't uh, you know stuck in a laboratory somewhere indoors for a year or more. No, um, I got to, yeah, I got to see seals very very regularly, but I did spend an awful lot of time behind the computer. But yeah, I bet that's, that's data analyst that as all. As all researchers do, it's yeah, that's I mean, parts of it are enjoyable, but parts of it are infuriating. <laughs> yeah, like you, I uh, I grew up landlocked, I uh, wasn't near the coast really. But um, during my vet studies, I yeah. hung out with a girl called Poppy. Hello, Poppy, if you're listening. Um, but we used to do <laughs> a good bit of sea kayaking. Oh, and nice, go out to um, Dockey Island, and there was quite a few uh seals, but it's quite unnerving at first when you're in a sea kayak and the seal you know comes under you and then up behind yeah. you and starts kind of like sussing you out but they're amazing animals up close when you have that encounter aren't they oh absolutely mate yeah i did the same it's we've had a few i've had a few come up to me whilst in the kayak because yeah super inquisitive and then uh, went surfing as well i've had them swim under my board a few times which is yeah as much as you know they're not going to do anything to you it's a bit unnerving when your little bare feet you know are underwater and you're like is he gonna I was going to say your um your ancient instincts kick in and think yeah. is that a shark is that a shark exactly <laughs> I've had one snorkeling once nibble my flippers which was quite cool have you yeah uh, he came up and had a little look but um a friend of mine um, who I used to work with Andy Reid if you're listening mate happy days hope you're all right um he was surfing and he had a young pup that must have he said it was still a white coat so it, it had kind of been swept off and separated from its mum but it came and yeah. sat on his surfboard with him. <laughs> Really? And then it swam off again, but it seemed it must have just been a bit tired and it just saw an object to float on. And it came yeah. and sat on his lap for a little bit, quite literally rested on his surfboard and then and then went off again. But it was he just oh said it was God. the most amazing thing that this little silver came and sat with him. Um, yeah, pretty pretty uh, great privilege to be yeah. party to, huh? Yeah, no. Um, so come here after your um after your masters then you what were your kind of career aspirations? Because you've ended up going into um kind of wildlife presenting and doing that on a fairly unusual path in terms of like the normal route in would you say mate yeah i suppose i have done it a little bit randomly i started doing you know vlogs and youtube videos um just at the end of my undergraduate so as i started my masters really um but i did a few little videos um 
Yeah, no, no, sorry, it did start during my undergrad. I started, you know, filming myself and trying to figure out how to do things. And that's when I first yeah. learned how to edit films. And I look back at some of the things I made <laughs> in like 2014. Oh, and 2015. Yeah. Don't do it. I'm looking at them again. I was going to say they're atrocious. I didn't mean you. I mean, <laughs> when, I, when I did the same, I look back and I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, I'm like, oh, my you God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all that kind of stuff. And then um, I got involved with an, a society called nature watch back in uh, in cornwall which i actually oh, yeah. helped so years ago it's just at the end of my second year i helped come up with a i was in the first meeting for this and it was basically to develop our university's version of spring watch basically um right. on a student you know student project uh, because yeah. exeter shared a campus with Falmouth, and they had like a big um wildlife filmmaking course they had like access to loads of kit so then you had like the zoology and conservation geeks with all the film, wildlife filmmakers and you kind of like we joined up. So it was a really cool project, really good collaboration. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't get involved with it my first year when I, the first year around, that was when I was in my third year, just because my time management was very poor and I was, dissertation took up most of my time. But when yeah. I started my MRES, I came, uh, I came on as a presenter in the second series, uh, which was really cool, really good fun. And that's kind of where it crept up a little bit for me and picked up and I started making I made a few more films that year with some friends it's very lucky that I went Iceland uh, with a couple of friends and we made a you know a road trip film um about looking for orca and I entered it into cool. a, a local uh, wildlife film festival wild film fest in Falmouth and it got nominated into the shortlisted into the adventure category I mean I didn't win but I got the biggest laugh of the night so I, I was like I'm a happy bunny everyone laughed at my uh, coffee, so that's, that's all good yeah and it was just <laughs> it was just me getting a little bit happy and overexcited that I'd seen Killerwell's bridge um and then I just kept doing things like that and then through after my master's I um well I helped set up Muddy Duck with a, with a little company that me and a few friends ran for a few years and we got to do some amazing things um, yeah. we went and that's kind of where the filmmaker side of it kicked up a little bit and I learned a lot from them because uh, I wasn't the best editor I, w- I wouldn't say I am still the best editor but I've learned a lot and I mean my editing skills have come a long way uh, yeah. um, so we did a lot of cool projects we got to make a film about uh, the turtle project in northern Cyprus which I'd worked on previously yeah uh, I'd been out there for a, for a month and a bit uh, to have a break from my own research from seals this was during the master's time and I went out there for a month and worked worked nights and days on the turtle beaches in northern Cyprus which was just a fantastic experience and uh, yeah really good um, but lots of long nights you start working like eight o'clock at night and you you finish the, the shift at maybe six or seven in the morning um, and I used to sit yeah. on the roof with my mate Alex having a having an FS. <laughs> so you'd have a cheeky bottle of lager at six or seven in the morning with some cornflakes <laughs> and then go, go to bed, bed for a few hours. And then go to yeah, get up at two in the afternoon, do some chores around the base and then yeah, and then crack back on again in the evening. But it was just amazing. It was like, yeah, turtles every night and we saw I saw shooting stars every night whilst I was film work there, which was just Oh, sounds like a nice little break. And yeah. when did um when did the the series you did Billy's Travels when did that come in? Billy's Travels came about in well, I finished my masters and I was quite broken by the end of it actually because I was I did it part time and I actually had five sources of income over that two years. Knackers like doing yeah. too much was it? Yeah, I was shattered and um yeah, I was quite drained. And then I spent so I finished I had it in March and then I left to go travel me and Sarah, my girlfriend came with me. Um, so we left on the 14th of October, 2018. So I spent, I had about seven or eight months where I just worked for the National Trust, which was good for saving up a bit, a bit more extra money kind of thing. And um, we spent three months traveling. And I feel very lucky right now that we did it when we did with everything that's currently going on. Um, and I spent, we spent two weeks in Sri Lanka. Um, a week in Bali, and then we had five weeks in Australia and four weeks in New Zealand. And over the year, sort of working before, I kind of thought, I don't want to vlog the whole thing because A, I ain't got the capacity to do that with the memory and stuff. And B, it- and your girlfriend would probably dump you. Basically. Because yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of annoying. <laughs> it would be very annoying. And I was like, I don't want to be that guy because you see it everywhere you go and you're like, oh, that's infuriating. But I was yeah. like, if I can get, you know, maybe five episodes of, you know, five, five, five minute films out of this kind of thing, yeah. you know, a few snappy bits of content. So I kind of was then obviously doing my research before we went, uh, thinking, okay, what's, which can I do here? And I could do one there. Because okay. obviously the best part of traveling is just enjoying it. You don't want to be behind the camera the whole time. 
Um, on a schedule all the time right? yeah exactly and uh i'm worrying about have you got your facts right and everything so um so yeah. i got i ended up getting seven episodes out of it and they're all about four to six minutes so i i filmed two in sri lanka so sri lanka had like the sri lanka giants theme so and actually the third day of our trip was still one of the best and we went on safari in Cadilla national park and it was just an elephant floor and it was was amazing and um, so i made a film about that and then a lifelong dream of mine had been to see a ever since i saw the model in the natural history museum um, was to see a blue whale and as a kid oh, i remember i still remember the first time i went to the natural history museum i was probably either between six or eight i was only little um and it was obviously just the most breathtaking thing you've ever seen at that age when you're whale obsessed and you can't get to the yeah. coast um and then yeah we went uh, whale watching off marissa with raja and the whales and we saw two Sri Lankan blue whales, uh, well, Indian Ocean blue whales. So that was amazing. We saw a bright uh, Brutus whale and some spinner dolphins there as well. And then when we went around Australia, I had this idea to do like a marsupial marathon, which kind of then became the two-part episode. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> my dream to race a wombat never actually happened. Um, oh, I've raced a wombat, Billy. Have you raced a wombat? I mean, I, <laughs> I've sat next to a wombat, but I never raced it. So I was okay, kind of... no, I didn't really race it. Oh, damn it. I was going <laughs> to say, I was like, you beat me to it. Um, <laughs> but we sort of were very lucky that we stayed with a lot. We met, I timed our trip so we met with lots of people. We stayed with family, friends that had emigrated out there obviously, to save some money. And we got put in touch yeah. with people and we made some really good friends with Emily and Paul. If you're listening, guys, uh, it was lovely seeing you. Um, and yeah, we sort of went on a bit of a marsupial, yeah, madness marathon. And we saw lots of different wombats, quokkas. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some great wildlife out there, I, haven't they? I, I was got, there a couple of times in the last few years. And uh, the time before last, I decided I needed a selfie with as many kind of iconic Australian yes. wildlife species as I could. I did pretty well. Come on, give me a um, list. Yeah. I got uh, the, the standard ones, really. So like wombat, wallaby. Um, emu, kangaroos, nice. um, loads of birds like you know parrots and lorries and yeah, and stuff like that. Um, nice. Echidnas, love an echidna. Wicked. Um, the last time I went, just actually a couple of months ago, just before lockdown, I got back to lockdown. Um, I was determined to see platypus, and I've tried a few times to see them out there, but. No luck. I went to apparently one of the best places in Australia to see them. Where did you uh, go? Dawn, Lake Elizabeth, interior Victoria. Um, okay. Down along Great Great Ocean Road. Yeah. Um, and it's basically an inland uh, lake that formed when there was a landslide and it basically blocked off like a stream oh, no or river um, in the middle of forest. Um, That's pretty cool. Massive big lake with all the like skeleton dead trees um, coming uh, out nice. that have died. And nice. it was absolutely amazing, like the mist coming off it in the morning time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of happening. But um, apparently, yeah, one of the best places to see platypus or platypi. Platypi, yeah. Platypuses <laughs> in <laughs> Australia. Um, yeah. But I went, uh, I stayed on a little um, straw bale house in the middle of nowhere on a farm and went dawn and dusk, two days running and didn't see one i was you're gonna hate raging. <laughs> go on well i saw two and i was very very jammy and you're gonna hate me for this but we did this sort of tour for the day and there was an option and it was really funny it was we were in the uh, atherton tablelands up in in queensland and because yeah. we tried, I'll come, we tried to see them in uh, Tasmania because the platypuses in Tasmania are three kilos, whereas like as soon as you get to when you get to Queensland, they're only a kilo. They sort of as you go. Oh, from, really? They're kind of yeah. like a subspecies or something. Yeah. So when you go from, yeah. from south to north, the um, from cooler to warmer climates, the platypuses get smaller. So yeah, if you can see oh. one in Tasmania, you're going to see a chunkier platypus, basically. Yeah. Uh, so we tried there, uh, but we we luck we didn't see any there. I mean, but we got to see some wild Tassie devils, which was just phenomenal. Brilliant. Uh, went out with some researchers. My 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 housemate, she was out there for a year doing her PhD, and we went, we met her, and we stayed with her, which was crazy because it was like housemate home from home, but the other side of the world. Like one yeah. morning, we went out with her research team, and they were sort of monitoring, and we got to see two Tassie devils that they were releasing. So that they sort of, you know, they put them in, they catching them in humane traps and they can monitor the disease of the facial tumors and yeah. stuff. So we got to see, we saw one healthy one. She was lovely, um, stunk. And then she, and then we saw a very unhealthy one, which was actually a very eye-opening experience. Anyway, we're talking about platypuses. 
uh, platypuses. That's what makes me jealous. So um, when we were in Cairns, we um, sort of we had a couple of days where we did the trips. Luckily, my girlfriend was is in, is into wildlife, otherwise she wouldn't have survived this three months. Um, yeah. But we did this trip one day. We was doing like lots of waterfalls and seeing like this forest around the Alison table, and it was beautiful. And then if you if you had the option to stay in this hostel for a night for an extra ten fifteen quid or whatever it was, they gave you dinner, and you had the option to go and. Um, try and spot some platypus so i was just like well it's you know a it'll be a fun night because we're having a barbecue so it's going to be fun anyway but you know what's let's go try this out and see what happens and uh yeah absolutely lucked out um we would we went to this sort of little hide area more of us um from this like little pond that comes from the stream and what's crazy is there was cows grazing in a field it was very farmy where we where we stayed for the night so it wasn't like pristine but then there was like a bigger creek nearby that this sort of little stream fed into but where we yeah. actually saw them was you know not how i imagined i'd ever spot a platypus if you know what i mean it beautiful, was a full pristine australian wilderness it was yeah like, it was a very pond or something wasn't it yeah literally it was in a very muddy pond that had that had a stream that then sort of went in and we saw two and they were only little ones really they were definitely very small ones but we watched them for maybe 20 minutes saw them come up a couple of times and i got a very it started raining when we were there it was kind of evenings my pictures are very shoppy it's definitely an id shot um, but i did yeah. get a very bit of shaky video of like a platypus coming up and they're just the most bizarre wonderful little creatures um but yes yeah, so i was talking well, about they're now they're now my nemesis species of <laughs> your favorite creature and have, yeah made a fool of me on several occasions <laughs> uh, not good not good and then, and then uh, um kind of your wild or your Billy's travel series, it's available on your website, isn't it? You've done quite a few different topics on there. Yeah, so it's available on my website and on YouTube. I sort of stream it through my YouTube channel. So yeah, we I did this marsupial marathon through Australia, which has a few other shots of the crops and the cassowary. I did an episode about cassowaries, which was just again a very, very jammy experience. Um and just the didn't I did I tag you in a um name your favorite birds and things and you were tempted to put on cassowary but yes yes that was it we were talking about that on instagram the other day it was like yeah 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 i thought i was like am i gonna sound like yeah a bit of a douchebag if i put that but it was it, i think to this date the most insane so really almost you know and jaw-dropping experience with a bird that i've ever had well they're like dinosaurs aren't they really it's well, i call it the vegetarian velociraptor or the turbo yeah. turkey is what i like to call it Turbo turkeys, <laughs> uh, but again, we were sort of doing it because we were backpacking, so we we're on a budget. But we did this. Um, I mean, we wanted to stay in the Daintree rainforest for a couple of nights, but it's just very, very expensive to do so. But yeah. there was a great tour company that we found that we did the other tour with, where we saw the platypus. So we just did a day trip into the Daintree rainforest. It was a few hours drive each way, and you spend all day doing a few walks and a few go through a few viewpoints and. You know, there's just the opportunity that you might bump into something. I was just like, if I see a cassowary run along the side of the road, I'm going to be over the moon, kind of thing. I was like, that was yeah. what I was. If we got to see one, that's how I expected that we see it is just it running a glimpse, like a through, glimpse. The, through the forest. Yeah, but that was like all I was like wanting. I was like, there's no point in me even trying to get a picture because it's be, just want to try and see one. And then we got to this viewpoint, um, and I forget the name. It's the Princess Alexander or something viewpoint and the reason we went there was actually the viewpoint down this valley to the sea through this estuary was the, sadly was the place where Steve Irwin did his last uh, dive ah, it was right. the viewpoint down you could see the, the the estuary and then the bay where he went swimming with stingrays and we were there yeah. and then I saw we were sort of in this jungle car park and then I was just like looking around and then I in the undergrowth, I was just basically trying to see if I could spot a lizard or a spider, you know, or something like that. I just a thought, is there any, or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, is there any little critters hanging around the side of the uh, car park? And I wasn't expecting a casper to be there because it was quite, it wasn't that busy, but there was probably 15, 20 people on the minibus. So, you know, busy enough. And well, Australian wildlife are just a little bit indifferent to people, aren't they? They are a bit. Like, um, I come across some things where, you know, driving down the road or walking along this track, like outside a car park as you say and then you like stumble upon something you're like oh my god yeah absolutely and then i saw these like you know if reminiscent of maybe how you look for signs of wild boar you see where they've been digging or if you find like yeah. badger latrines you know what i mean those sorts of indents yeah. sort field, of, signs. field signs you know where some something's been up to something you're like i'm like well, what's big enough here to make 
this hole or these like little scrapes and stuff. I was like, well, I know there's lots of feral pigs around here. So I was like, well, it could be just feral pigs because it looked like that. And then all of a sudden I saw, and then some person just sort of stopped dead in her tracks. And I sort of was doing a bit of people watching as well. And then just flipping egg, there was this cassowary just sat by a tree right on the car park. Obviously very habituated to people because just, I think a a local one that they often see. Um, And then keeping the cars between me and it, it sort of walked past us very casually. Uh, and then what was quite handy was there was this like log fence that just ran for 20 yards by one part of the car park. Um, and it went the other side of it. So what was quite nice is you felt a bit safer having these big stumps of wood between you and, you know, huge claws that could, you know, rip your gut that down. Myth- mythically can eviscerate you, right? Yeah, okay. exactly. And then, um, <laughs> and luckily, I just had my iPhone in my pocket um, and just managed to get some videos of it right, right in front of me. And um, it was, and just started eating some berries from a tree and it was just phenomenal. And uh, yeah, so I put a little video about that together. And then, um, and then we finished our trip. We spent four weeks in New Zealand. So I made a couple of films there. So yeah, that was kind of, yeah, the sort of Billy's travel summary, really. Brilliant. Well, you've inspired me or reminded me that I have a load of footage of Australian wildlife from my last trip that I haven't done anything with. Yes, put it so together. Maybe I, need to, I need to put something together. Absolutely. On the ever-growing to-do list. <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. Um, so coming up to like now, how are you um, coping? Obviously, we talked at the start about um, lockdown and being a bit more confined than usual, not being able to get out and about as yeah. often. But one of the things that we're both doing, which is absolutely brilliant, yes. is Nina, Nina Constable's new series, Wild World Doorstep Discoveries. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that or what you're what you're doing for it? It's, it's yeah. kind of unsurprising if you know what you're into, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that um, addiction or, you know, habit that you can't kick. Yeah, I just can't shake them off, mate. Um, so, no, it's, yeah, obviously it's great collaborating on this uh, project together. And I think what Lockdown has done, especially for wildlife enthusiasts or wildlife filmmakers, through social media, it's brought a lot of us together that, you know, like me and me and yourself, we've we've known of each other and had a little bit of conversation, yeah. you know, back and forth every now and then. But it's kind of got everyone talking and everyone collaborating, which you know, I yeah, think it's brilliant. And um, yeah, it's just been great. A, it's been great seeing what people have on their doorstep, um, and we'll come we'll come to your blue tits in a second. And, um, but obviously, I've known Nina for quite a few years, and I've sort of worked with her on a few sort of her projects where I've just you know done a bit of freelance work for her. And then um, she just got in touch saying she had an idea. Would I be interested? And I was like, well, I've actually just bought a new cam trap and I've got, I've got a badger family. Would, would that work? And she was like, absolutely. Um, and it's kind of, yeah, I've just become obsessed with badgers and foxes. Uh, I've gone from seals and seabirds to badgers and foxes. You're landlocked again. <laughs> yeah, I'm landlocked again. But I mean, I mean I'm looking at the valley now and yeah, back end of nowhere, but very lucky for that. But yeah, so doorstep yeah. discoveries, it does what it says on the tin. It's all about what's on your patch. And I'm very lucky that I can walk out the side gate of the garden and within four minutes, I'm under the trees and the woodland that back behind the house. So daily exercise for me every few days involves going for a walk and checking my camera traps. And yeah, um, yeah so it's been, re- obviously I had a bit of trials and tribulation to get there because if it took me a few, a good two to three weeks to find the, the main hub. That I've now that I'm now monitoring. I tried a few different sets and holes that were made, that weren't so active, and then I just found yeah. a I found this badger set, but B it's a cracking little wildlife corridor as well, where lots of boxes. I was going to go. say you've had lots of other things going through, haven't you? Yeah. So as much as it's a really good little spot for the badgers, it's also a nice little pathway and corridor for muntjac deer, a couple of roe, the foxes, loads of rabbits, and it's not gone anywhere because it, it was literally a second. But I'm pretty sure I got the arse end of a polecat really which is pretty exciting but it was infuriating because the camera that i've got is usually pretty good with the trigger speed but this polecat must have just been you know terror polecat on a mission was it yeah on a mission uh, <laughs> and it was i just saw its back end and a little bit of its back leg and i was like well it's not a badger it's not a fox not a squirrel or a rabbit but it's definitely well, look, if you've seen it once they're they're creatures of habit so you might see it again hopefully 
Exactly. So it, it was definitely a must lid, but was the wrong shape and size to be a stove or a weasel as well. Um, right. So I'm pretty sure it was a pocket, but I've not seen a sign of this. Thing, I'm hoping that's that. that's like um, camera trap porn now that you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. You've got a pocket, right? Exactly. That's like that's like the white whale of Gloucestershire. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, um, we won't talk about some one or two of the dodgy things that I caught on my own badger camera trap. Um, of well, the human variety. We'll say well, no more on that. But well, got, a, actually, got a shock one evening when I was uh, analysing the footage. Let me put it that way. Well, I had a field, <laughs> I had a field work fail in my masters because I had someone go down the cliff and mooney the camera trap. Really? Yeah. And it. Yeah. So I got a bloke's flabby backside on my camera. So yeah, that did not get my seal of approval. But uh, nice, nice. Part of the so, Exactly. Yeah, so back to doorstep discoveries. And what's been really nice is each week I'm sort of giving an update about how badgers are getting on. I'm very lucky that I'm monitoring five cubs. Um, yeah, so I, so. I, I feel like a proud dad, but I'm sort of, you know, half, I'm fully prepared that not all of them are probably going to make it. But at the minute, they all look really, really good. Uh, so fingers crossed. Three, I definitely see three together more often than I see five together. So I was going to say, I looked at your stuff. I think I updated on it last night just to yeah. see, um, or I looked at episode three of, um, yeah, of yeah. last night. And it looked to me almost like the, there could be two litters, like two of them are bigger than the other three. Is that right? So, yeah, three of them are definitely bigger than two of them. Um, oh, but right. it's not on, it's quite common for the litters to, the individuals of the litter to be different sizes. Different um, sizes, all right. So, because I've been conferring um, with a, ma- a mammal mastermind mate of mine, Mr. Peter Cooper, who's a bit of a legend when it comes to, well, all wildlife, but British mammals in particular, mustelids and like, and voles and, and rodents and stuff like that. He's, he's on it he knows his stuff um so i've been sort of sending him clips to think you know this is what i think what do you reckon is going on so but there's definitely two slightly runtier ones that i'm sort of a little bit concerned about but they do look pretty good so uh, we've got one that's he's a chunky monkey he's a big boy uh but it's he's one of them is a lot bigger than the rest so that one yeah is a bit and is it only the one female badger that will breed in a set at any one time or Usually, yeah. it depends on like the resources. But resources around, yeah. yeah. There's typically you'd have a more dominant sow that would have a litter, and I have read up on this. But you know, if another subordinate female did have uh, cubs, then it's not common for the dominant sow to kill them um, because right. she's just technically bred. It's a bit like a wolf pack. I think you know uh, the alpha female wolf would do that to a subordinate wolf that has had. If there's well. less food resources around, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. So, but I'm pretty sure that I have. Um, it's hard to see because I've never seen all the badges in one go. I'm slowly getting, you know, my eye in and I'm recognizing individuals now. But yeah. there's definitely the mother and father. But I'm pretty sure there's a young male and a young female in the group because it particularly helps when they're rolling their backs and scratch their bellies because then you get a very clear view of who's who. Exactly. Uh, but I'm pretty sure there's a young healthy female. And then I saw, for the first time, I acknowledged it, that it was a male, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't the main boar because he just it just didn't look like him. So I think there's definitely three adults, possibly a fourth, a plus five yeah. cubs that I've got at the minute. I um, noticed, yeah, one of yours is kind of like a leaner and almost kind of yellower colour. Yeah, she's quite creamy yellow, yeah. Um, I've nicknamed yeah. her Scraggy because she's got, she had a bit of a fight. Oh, Sparrowballs, good morning. Um, cool. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, news update. As to, I haven't seen all good. Um, so yeah, so I've nicknamed her Scraggy because they, they had a bit of a fight, and then which I saw, which was a bit of a scrap. But then another the day after, she came back with a fresh cut on her ear, and she's got a nick in her ear now. Um, right. But yeah, yeah, she's called Scraggy. So yeah, very. So it's been keeping me very busy and keeping me very sane. And with all this footage, I'm sort of teaming up, doing a little side project with Gloucestershire Wildlife Trust on. Um, Billy's Camera Truck Tuesdays. But before we do that, yes, um, tell me about your blue tits because you've had an exciting update, haven't you? We have, um, you know, fresh, hot off the press now uh, <laughs> this afternoon. Um, we are, I have a camera nest box that I put nice. up on my balcony last year uh, yeah. on the fourth floor and it didn't get anything in it. So I decided I would loan it to my friend Nigel from Ealing Wildlife Group. Yeah. And he has a, a garden where blue tits nest every year. Wicked. So like, okay, look, there's no point in me trying again the same place. Let's try yeah, it somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. And then lockdown happened. And then basically Nigel has just been updating the whole of Ealing Wildlife Group on the blue tit saga in the box. Brilliant. Um, and it's been 
incredible the reaction like from people just you know needing some connection to nature and needing some distraction maybe or some good news but anyway there's you know a community of several hundred uh, active people now really invested in this little blue tip called Stella. Which is just amazing. Um, yeah, and uh, daily updates from Nigel. Um, thanks, Nigel. You are an absolute gent. But um, <laughs> tonight or this afternoon, uh, the first chick hatched. Perfect. So she's got seven eggs in there and um, we're hoping that at least five will hatch because oddly, I, I don't know if she's an inexperienced one or, or what's going on, mm-hmm. but she was a bit stop start with nest building in general. And then when she right. started egg laying, she laid five eggs. But then there was like a big gap between the fifth and the sixth and then another big gap between the sixth and seventh. Oh, yeah. So I'm not sure what's going to happen. But anyway, she's been incubating them for a while and the first one hatched today. So hopefully tomorrow Pucker. the rest of them are hatched or whichever ones are going to hatch are hatched tomorrow. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting to see. We'll be well, but the, well uh, interested. Yeah, the, uh, the tension suspense moment now, you know, if, if it was on Spring Watch, would there be a bit of kind of dramatic music, is that the male hasn't been seen in a few days. And is there a magpie lurking outside or something like that? Well, unfortunately, your little flyover visitor there, the Sparrowhawk, yeah. is, has been known to uh, come in and snack on Nigel's bird feeders. So um, whether Mori, the male, has been taken by the local Sparrowhawk, uh, because they're obviously, you know, starting yeah. breeding as well. Yeah. Um, we'll just have to wait and see if Stella can do it on her own if she's now a single parent. I'm sure she can. Cool. We should, as yeah. long as you name one of the chicks Artois, and then we can have a nice Stella yeah. Artois nest going. That'd be pretty good. Uh, Absolutely. We won't be able to tell the difference, though. We were, we were petitioning <laughs> Nigel to name name Murray Artois, but uh, he was having none of it. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, Nina's just put out a little uh, kind of teaser mini episode. Uh, yes, I saw it. It was fantastic. And I'm looking Yeah, yeah, she's done a great job. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's yeah no I love the bird themed uh, sort of obviously because it was dawn chorus there on Sunday I love that this sort of weekend obviously with your segment and Sunday segments had a nice bird theme to it and it was yeah. just great seeing um, everything that was going on with Ben and his buzzards and Lucy's obviously fantastic uh, bird song of the day and uh, it was watching Gillian's piece about the heron gulls in Falmouth and I've worked yeah, with I've worked, had the privilege of working with Gillian a few times in Cornwall and variety of different projects and yeah it was great seeing her segment she's lovely isn't she she introduced me to nina actually yeah no she's fantastic and um she yeah got me very homesick from my home from home so yeah the the drone footage over my local patch which was my local patch i was just like oh tugging on the heartstrings a little bit there on sunday night when i was watching it but it was beautiful yeah well that's it but you can you can live vicariously through other people's uh, wildlife experiences right absolutely and that's what's great about Sorry. Yeah, go on. I was just saying that's what's great about what everyone's doing on social media at the minute is you get sort of get to spot other things that you wouldn't get to see right now because obviously we're limited to where we can go and what we can do. So, yeah, that's it. I'm loving going and checking our own wildlife camera traps with Ealing Wildlife Group. Yeah. So just going out on my own on my daily exercise, but um, kind of grabbing an SD card here and there and, and bringing exactly it back and what I'm what doing as well. Quick battery my... check, backpack. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. I've got the, the bag with like um, mounting poles sticking out the back of it and all sorts. Yeah, exactly. Um, our badgers have not cooperated though. Uh, we have badgers ah. in eating now. And uh, one of the sets last year, there was two cubs. And right. uh, this year I've seen a lactating female at the set that I monitor. Yeah. And um, then fairly recently, I've seen her going in under one of the trees and dragging bedding in a direction Ooh. they normally come from when they're hunting. Or right, foraging. okay. Yeah, but I investigated the other day on the last trip, and uh, it seems they've moved their breeding efforts into very, very, very thick brambles and scrub. So uh, I don't think we're going to see much uh, cub action until they actually get out and about and start foraging themselves. Yeah, I had to, but, I had to scram. One of my cameras is in a big, big, fat, big bit of bramble actually. So it took me a few goes to find that hole actually. And then luckily, yeah, yeah, and I'm now I'm surrounded by nettles. <laughs> so yeah, yeah and they grow so fast, don't they? Oh god, yeah. In the last week in particular, once we've had the rain, it's just the like rain. it's a jungle up there now. So yeah, I always have to go sort of like long trousers, long sleeves when I go there now. Yeah, I'm I'm like you. I'm a mustelid fan, so I put out uh, another trap on a rabbit run. Oh, nice to see if I could find a stoat or a weasel. This uh, kind of wood area is yeah, quite, yeah. Um, probably the best place 
according to the rangers for weasels so i was like right i'm gonna yeah, put one on a rabbit run and just hope for the best and i'll leave it there for you know a couple of months maybe and eventually you know strike lucky it was there for two weeks and then you couldn't see anything for all the nettles so, you know, yeah like, <laughs> yeah luckily with yeah, yeah. No, they're lucky there's a little patch where um there's a, the nettles don't grow um so i'm just relieved for that because my window into their area with this corridor has just got very restricted over the last two weeks it looks so yeah. different when i first started tracking that area with the cameras but uh so luckily i've still got my little my little window but um yeah they're definitely sneaking in and out of shots more now than they were two weeks ago which is a little bit annoying but obviously it's great to see their little faces coming out of the nettles which is good fun yeah definitely now tell us about your camera trap tuesdays so um i slipped into the dms quite literally of the gloucestershire wildlife trust on instagram um yeah and I sent them a message just being like, look, because I'm getting so much so much footage and obviously there's only so much I can put into two or three minute segments with Nina each week. So I was like, well, I've got lots yeah. of footage that I'd like to do something else with, with a different angle where I don't just focus on badges. I can talk about all the other stuff that we see, which is great. So I sent the Gloucestershire Wildlife Trust message and uh, Tessa Hurst, who's becoming a very good friend of mine now, um, picked, picked the message up. And I was like, look, I've got an idea. Uh, can I send you an email um, and I'll put it sort of in. And I sort of came up with this idea for Camera Trap Tuesdays because that's quite a good hashtag on the old social media as well. So I thought we got to tap yeah. into this. And then I sort of pitched the idea of like, would you be interested in, you know, like a three to five minute video once a week where I sort of host a little show. I can do updates from what I'm seeing. But what would be great is if people in Gloucestershire got involved and sent, if they've got a camera trap in their garden, it would be cool just to get Gloucestershire talking about what they're seeing and it's picked up surprise like i'm amazed how quickly it's picked up. i was gonna say some of the stuff coming in is um again nature porn right <laughs> like, like massively so and it's filthy and i love it um <laughs> but so i'm quite i'm like and to everyone who sent stuff in like to all the people in gloucestershire thank you very much but uh yeah, and it's picked up and we get some really lovely feedback and uh, the fourth episode goes up tomorrow so i've been busy cutting that I finished it today about half past three. I was filming it yesterday. I should do the, the studio session at the weekend in the conservatory. <laughs> yeah. So give us a give us a little teaser. What kind of species can we expect on Camera Chat Tuesdays? Tomorrow. So tomorrow, because it was Dawn Chorus Day on Sunday, we're having a bit more of a feathered friend theme. Um, so we're sort of showing, I set up a, my camera trap on one of the bird feeders over the weekend to sort of get in the birdie spirit. So yeah. It, expecting mr great spotted woodpecker and all his glory that's a very much a tease a tease um yeah. lots lots of tits and um uh yeah blue tits great tits long-tailed tits yeah. and uh a sneaky marsh or a willow tit might be in there as well and Ooh, um, nice yeah. one for the bird nerds yeah. one for the bird nerds and then um i'm also what's quite nice is because of the badges i'm getting lots of you know quick clips of birds around the set so obviously i'm showing a quick clip of the badger cubs in there as well because it'd be rude not to but just yeah. reset the scene to part of the punt for the area where the badgers live and then um so we've got lots of it's birds. amazing how many birds show up on that kind of like bare earth around the badger set isn't it massively and the best thing that i've seen and it, I, I just i collected this footage i think it was friday so just in time for the episode uh, yeah. but even Saturday, maybe, um, was a female bullfinch collecting nesting material from right outside. Yeah, we've had bullfinches as well on our yeah. account. And I've, I've seen it before years ago, so I was hoping that I might get a bullfinch around the set at this point. So, yeah, so, so she's yeah. in there as well, which is great. And then what's really lovely is each week there's uh, Josie, who's a project officer for the Gloucestershire Wildlife Trust. She's currently working on the Pine Martin Reintroduction Project, which is also featured in, this ep- in a couple of episodes that will be hopefully has some exciting updates from them in coming weeks but she's been checking the camera traps where she lives in Forest of Dean and she sent in a really lush shot of a jay and a tawny house on a stump um so nice. lots of stuff like that from the birds this week but then we had some amazing footage sent in of fox cubs badger cubs and one of my favorites um is a guy that gets hedgehogs in his garden and he got some lovely footage of them i mean hedgehogs don't listen to social distancing when it comes to the food which is very funny yeah um, but he has this little hedgehog hole called a hedgehog highway in sort of, you know, like a in Tom and Jerry type hole in fence. And the fox yeah. squeezes through it. And it's just this really cool shot. And then a lady got a badger. She's got this like big black beard that's full of peanuts and bird sticker and bird stickers. And then it's just that it's pictures of a badger's arse sticking out of this bin. It's brilliant. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Cool. So that's, yeah. So then we've got, so we sort of, uh, doing a few things like that over the next few weeks. And yeah, so Josie's going to be giving me updates from the Forest of Dean. 
Uh, we did an otter feature last week in last week's episode, so that was really good fun. So, yeah, we're just going to mix it up, and it's quite nice with people sending stuff in, we can see what's going on, and sort of, comp- and then we've got my patch and the Forest theme patch doing sort of regular updates of what we're seeing. So, yeah, it's really exciting, and I love seeing what everyone's sending in. And like you said, yeah, it's just part of my corner, I love it. Brill, it's inspirational. I need to, once this lockdown lifts, I need to get myself down to Gloucestershire. It seems uh, full, <laughs> absolutely full of wildlife. Yeah, well, just this particular patch, very lucky with the woodland and, and the hills and stuff. So no, it's been yeah. really good fun monitoring everything. Great. It's going to keep me busy through well, for the next couple of months anyway. Yeah. So where can people um, find out more about your work and what you're doing and what you're up to, Lily? So on my website, I'm sort of embedding all the videos and the links and all my sort of my Instagram feed links to my website, which is billyheaney.co.uk, um, H-E-A-N-E-Y. And um, yeah, a nice Irish, strong Irish. Name. I was gonna, I was just going to yeah. say if there's an Irish connection somewhere back along the way, is there? Yeah, it's my great, great grandparents. Um, I believe they moved to Liverpool from Belfast and their, right. the Heaney name was uh, stuck down my sort of dad's side grew up with so lived in liverpool and manchester before they then moved down to where they are now uh, so yeah, yeah so yeah a few generations back there's a bit of irish blood in me uh, so you can check out say, my website. So, yeah uh, you're in good company with uh, mr seamus heaney huh uh, yeah and i actually um, convinced my english class at gcc that he was my granddad <laughs> <laughs> did you way to get an a well done <laughs> yeah no I was, I was bad at it so it was a really bad mistake <laughs> Uh, you've got a history with uh your teachers and tutors and lecturers of uh pushing the boundaries a bit it seems yeah yeah i was a i'm a yeah a little bit of a cheeky yeah <laughs> good stuff well look that's a, a great place to end the one question i'm asking most of the uh naturalists and conservationists that, that i have on yeah. is um who are your top three social media accounts that you think people should follow if they're interested in in wildlife and nature no, well, I'm sorry to uh, put you on the spot. Oh, maybe. Well, I can't say you, can I? Because that, that, that's not fair. <laughs> no, no. They'll probably follow me already if they're listening to this. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to say the lovely Lucy Lapwing, and I know you spoke to her. Um, I would also say that Ben Harris. I've sort of been teaming up with him recently, and he's a film- yeah. filmmaker, and he sort of worked on doorstep discoveries as well. And uh, so I really love what Ben's doing. And uh, obviously Nina Comstable as well, a uh, good friend of mine and you know, fantastic, very talented filmmaker who's doing lots of amazing stuff right now. And she just posted earlier on her Instagram story, she just built a pond and set a camera trap on it. So it's only, I think this pond's been full for a week uh, with all the rain we've had. And a tawny owl's coming down most nights and checking it out. It's just phenomenal how quickly this owl's done. Anyway, so check out Nina. I know, amazing. Her, her um, films are incredible, aren't they? Yeah, Beautiful. so definitely check out Nina's stuff. Cool. All right. Well, Billy, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks so much again for the for the chat. Thanks for having and, me. Um, when when this is all over, we must uh, meet up and and go out in search of some wildlife. Absolutely. Sounds like a plan. And then a beer. Cool. <laughs> Absolutely. A pub. It, it Social contact. We must get all of these uh, nature nerds that are collaborating on Instagram now yeah, together so for a big piss up. Exactly, sort of the nature nerd, like it's like the Avengers assembled to the pub. <laughs> That's it, yeah, yeah. Was it you that said recently the other day? It's like the Nature Power Rangers. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely morphing time, and by that I mean, can we please go to the pub again now? <laughs> <laughs> Get mashed. <laughs> exactly. Good stuff, man. Well, look, go and enjoy your enjoy your beer. Thanks, buddy. And, um, and you hope you got some fun. Well. Yeah. Nice yeah. one. <laughs> Good stuff, Billy. Thanks. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Sean's Wildlife Podcast with myself, Sean McCormick, produced and edited by Thomas Dinas. If you're enjoying the series so far, I would really appreciate it if you consider donating to our Patreon link below. That will really help us out with producing the podcast and covering the costs involved. See you next episode. Mm-hmm.